I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service or reasonable act of worship. In be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your word. Lord, and we ask right now that you would go into our hearts, Lord, and till up the fallow ground, Lord, and make ready our hearts for your word. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit would say tonight. Lord, anoint us and captivate us and change us tonight by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Tonight, I want to ask you one question. What are you burning for? What are you burning for? In our lives, we see this verse. It says that we're to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship. When you come into the house, you are coming with a week's worth of living. How you lived isn't just how you raised your hands. It's how you walked through life. How did you live this week? Did you burn for him? Or did you burn for something else? Did you burn for the gods of the land? I'm going to get a little preachy tonight. Did you burn for sports? Did you burn for food? Did you burn for your favorite political party? What did you burn for? What did you burn for? Have you been walking close to God? Have you been taking your direction from God in obeying God? See, when we walk side by side with God and he tells us to step, we step. When he tells us to stop, we stop. And most of the time, that's this, our tongue. When he told you, oh, don't say that. Did you do it? See, he wants us to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. See, we've gotten away from holiness, though. We think we can live however we want and come in and lift our hands, and we're lifting unholy hands to a holy God. See, at times, God will see us and will come into a service, and he will reject our worship because we did not live. The way we're speaking. I worship you. I make room for you. Did you really make room for him this week? Is your heart on fire for him? Are you burning for him? Or are you burning for you? See, there's two men I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to start with King Solomon. King Solomon, at the beginning, he ran well. See, he come before God. He was the son of King David. King David was a great king. He had a man, he was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he messed up, but his heart 
was after God. He burned for God. Solomon, at the beginning of his life, he did the same. God asked him, said, Solomon, he had burnt all these sacrifices unto God. What do you want from me? He asked him for wisdom to guide the kingdom. There's something unique there while I was on my way to church that God showed me. The same way that Solomon asked for wisdom to guide the kingdom and God added everything else to him, the riches, the fame, the power is the same way the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Cease. King Solomon, he built an altar and burnt them sacrifices to God. He began well. But there was a problem in his life. What happened in his life is he disobeyed God. See, there's only three things that the devil will use to trip you up. The pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. And see, Solomon began to move in pride. He thought he could disobey God and not reap a consequence. Because God told Solomon not to marry strange women. The strange wives. The people that were not Israelites. The people that didn't serve God. He said don't marry them. And he told him not to multiply wives either. And not to multiply horses. Unique. But he disobeyed God. And guess what happened? His evil wives turned his heart. The scripture said he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had it all. If you look at yourself, he began to serve himself. pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh, they were all maxed out in Solomon's life. He burned for himself. But what did he say at the end of his life? He said, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does that mean? Emptiness. See, he lived a life that was earthly. He didn't live for eternity. And that's what God's calling you to. He's calling you to live a life with eternity in mind. Not a life about you. In serving you. That's completely contrary to the cross. The cross says, pick up your cross and follow me. You have to deny yourself. You can't do what you want to do. You are not your master. He's your master. And you serve him, not the gods of the land. As time approaches, I see the urgency in the hour to tell you this. You don't need to know more stats. You need to know more scripture. You've got to put away things. The scripture says Lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily besets us and to run our race. The problem is 
We're picking up weight. I have a friend. He preached a message. He said, we're getting casual in critical times. And that's the truth. We're picking up more of the world when we need to be cutting more of the world. We're trying to live in the flesh when we need to be in the spirit. You can't do in the flesh what can be only accomplished in the spirit. See, Solomon, he picked up those things of the flesh. But there was a man that came in the New Testament by the name of John the Baptist that was completely contrary to Solomon. John the Baptist came and he was a forerunner. What did Jesus say about John? He was a burning and a shining light. He burned for God. But what did John do? He did something Solomon didn't do. He was outside the city. What did that mean? He was outside the city so the city couldn't affect him. It didn't have an influence over him. See, the things you partake influence you whether you realize it or not. The games you play, the things you read, the things you watch, the things you listen to, you have opened your gates and the enemy has come in like a thief and he's stolen away from you. He's tempted you and he's got you in his hands. You're his servant. You've got to lock your gates. You've got to put a guard on it. That's what happened in the garden. Adam failed to put a guard, to put a hedge about the garden. That was the first thing he did wrong. The Bible said, dress and keep the garden. That word keep means to guard. He did not guard the garden properly, and that's what's happening in our lives. We're not putting a hedge about our life or our home, and we're not guarding it. And the enemy's coming in, and he's tempting us, and we're wondering why people are being carried away to the enemy. Because we haven't put a guard on. We've burned for ourselves. You have to burn for him. John the Baptist preached a message of repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does repent mean? It doesn't mean, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Repentance means to turn. You turn from your sins. Turn and don't repeat. Sin is not to continually keep being repeated. I understand we have struggles, but God breaks bondages. The blood doesn't just save, it breaks the yoke. See, he didn't buy you to set you free to sin. He set you free to serve him, to burn for him. And so John the Baptist said, make straight his path. What does that mean? God wants to come straight into you without a hindrance, something that's blocking him, not a crooked path, not things in the way. He wants to come right into you. And when he comes into you, he changes you from the inside out. God wants to change you tonight, but you have to repent. You have to lay aside the weights. You have to put away your sin. 
you have to put down your idols. You cannot entertain the things you used to entertain. In the Old Testament, Elijah, I'm going to step into Elijah just for a second. There was the prophets of Baal, and then there was Elijah. Elijah felt like he was the only one left. And he said, let's build an altar, and we're going to prepare our sacrifice. And whoever is God will answer by fire. And so the prophets of Baal, they get to go first. They prepare and they dress their sacrifice and they lay it on the altar. And you know what? They tarried, they waited, and their God never sent the fire. To the point that at one point, Elijah started mocking them. Maybe he's asleep or he's on a journey. He's mocking them, which is, I think, funny. Because sometimes I mock people, as sad as it is, but I do. So I, I can see that characteristic. But here's what happens. At one point, they get so radical that they get up on their altar, and they start jumping around and dancing, and they cut themselves. The life of the body is the blood. They burned for bail. To the point of blood. What are you burning for? They were on the altar for their God. And a lot of people, and even in my own life, in areas, I'll see myself on the altar of the world. Burning for the world. Burning for myself. But you have to put that away. A few weeks ago when I was teaching at the young adults, I talked about rebuilding the altar. And Elijah come on the scene after they had done their time. And what did he do? The scripture says he rebuilt the altar. And he began to rebuild the altar. And then to take it a step further, he went ahead and doused the altar. He made it harder for the fire to burn. And he continued to do it until there was a place that the trench that was around it was full of water. And then he prayed to the living God. In the fire of God fell. See, Elijah and John the Baptist are a picture of what it means to live a life completely on the altar. They burned for God. Elijah, he did all kinds of wonderful things. In John the Baptist, the Bible says, Jesus says this, that there was none like him unto John, and there will never be someone else greater than John. He prepared the way. And God is calling a generation of forerunners to prepare his way again. It will take the spirit of Elijah because when John the Baptist came, he came in the spirit of Elijah. What does God want to do? He wants to send his fire 
on the earth. He wants you to burn for God that when everyone you pass by, they catch fire. They catch fire. I shouldn't walk around too much, should I? I like to walk, my bad. But they catch fire. When someone walks by you, you can tell who they live for. You can tell if they serve the devil or if they serve God. You can discern it. A wicked person can discern if you're a Christian. They can tell the difference. And that's what God's looking for. He's calling you to a place to burn for him. Nothing else. Burn for him. And all these other things will be added unto you. You don't seek God to get something. You seek him for him. And when you have him, nothing else will do. But you have to come to him. John the Baptist said the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. We're a picture of trees. That's our life. That's who we are. What are you bearing? What does your fruit say about your life? How do you live? When someone interacts with you, is it sweet or is it bitter? Are you walking around disgruntled and defeated? Or are you walking around in the joy of the Lord? You have a choice to make every moment of the day. Am I going to be led by the spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? And you have to be sensitive to that. You have to make those choices. And it's like a train. You make one, it gets easier to make the next. Elijah, he burned for God. John the Baptist burned for God. In the Bible, in Isaiah chapter 66, and I'm going to close with this. It says, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you'll build for me? And where's the place of my rest? For all these things hath my hand made, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and a contrite spirit, and trembles at my word. God's looking to come straight into you. But there's some requirements. You have to walk humbly before him. You can't be as Solomon, arrogant and proud. See, pride is a vice. It's a stronghold that is very hard to overcome. But it can be broken off your life. See, if you're bound by other things, you can be set free because you're humble. But when you're bound by pride, you're just bound by everything. Because you're too arrogant to ask for help. You're too arrogant to come to an altar. 
God's looking for someone that's going to be humble. And then God's looking for someone that will take his word seriously. When he says do it, he means it. He's not playing. He ain't your mama that says do it three times and you don't do it. He's God. He says do it or else. I know that's not popular preaching, but that's how it is. If you don't do this, I'm not doing this. If you don't build me an altar, I'm not sending my fire. You have to build an altar, and you have to be on the altar. That's when the fire falls. It doesn't fall when you do what you want to do. It falls when you do what he says to do. And the first step is repentance. You have to repent of your sins. You have to turn from your sins. You can come up here and I can pray for you. The pastors can pray for you. It will mean nothing if you go home and you do what you kept doing last week, this week. You have to apply the word and change. You take hold of the word of God. And the word of God has all the power it needs for you to accomplish what it says you can do. God didn't give you a commandment you can't walk in. The word has the power to walk it out. You have to walk in his word. But in order to walk in his word, you have to read his word. You have to pick up your word. You can't fight a battle without a sword. You're trying to fight the battle with your fist and he's beating you down. You can't fight carnally. You have to fight spiritually. You have to rebuild the altar in your life. You have to get on the altar and say, God, consume my life. It's yours. My life, my dreams, my plans, they're all in your hands. And I'm going to burn for you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Bow your heads. What are you burning for tonight? Have you caught yourself burning for the things of this world? Is God drawing you closer and saying, I want this place of your life right here. I want you to put it on the altar. Abraham at one point, God told him to take the promise of God up the mountain and put it on an altar. Maybe God's asking something. Maybe he's asking for your promises, for you to lay them down. Maybe he's asking for your life. He's asking for the gates. I want you to pray. Just take a moment alone with God. Say, God, examine Examine my life. Speak to me, oh God. Change me in my inner man. And then I want you to find a place. I could pray for you all night. It won't matter. You have to learn to pray on your own. You have to learn to build your own altar. You have to learn to give it to God. So for a few moments, as we can play some music. I want you to find a place to pray. And I want you to give your life to him. And I'll tell you, if you put your life on the altar, you'll experience his fire. Hallelujah.